0: You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Matthew 27 verses uh, 45 to 61. Now the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurions and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this is the Son of God. There were also many women there, looking from looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene. And Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. That's 57. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut from in the rock and he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb.
1: Great, thank you, Jade. I'll just... Am I on? Perfect. Good morning. Welcome to uh, Good Friday at Redeemer. It is a pleasure to be with you. You are so welcome, especially if you're a guest or if you're joining us for the first time. It's brilliant to have you with us. I'm just starting a little stopwatch. Um, the first time I practiced this the other day it was 35 minutes, but I promise it won't be that long. Um, it is a joy to be with you this morning. Thanks to Anna and Jade for, uh, for sharing and, and reading the passage to us this morning. Uh, in a moment, I have the privilege of being able to just open up uh, a little bit more um, into that passage, but before we do that, I'm just going to pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for Good Friday. Thank you for hanging on a cross for us, bearing our sin, taking our punishment. Lord, we pray this morning as we come and we reflect on what you did on the very good, first Good Friday Lord, would our eyes be fixed on you? Would you speak to our hearts? I pray that as we read your Word now and as we, we look at what it says, we pray would you speak to us, would you transform us by the power of your words that we might be challenged and encouraged and reminded why this Friday is such a good Friday this morning. Amen. 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 Well, yeah, this morning I'm preaching the second message in our Easter series. Uh, Josh kicked us off on uh, last Sunday preaching on Jesus anointed. And this series is taking us through what traditionally in the church is called Holy Week, which mirrors the most important week, not just in Jesus's life, but we as Christians believe the most important week in history. We started back on Sunday with Palm Sunday, which is where uh, Jesus comes into the city of Jerusalem and the people lay down palm branches in his path and praise him. And on the Monday, uh, he goes into the temple and he cleanses it. He um, throws the tables up, you might know that passage. Then the the Tuesday, we have this conversation between him and the Pharisees, uh, where he rebukes them. The Wednesday is when Jesus is anointed, which is what Josh preached to us uh, on Sunday morning, and Judas decides to betray Jesus. And then on the Thursday, we see the last supper between Jesus and his disciples, and then Jesus is betrayed, and Peter denies him. Um, and Jesus is arrested. And then we come to Good Friday. And in the morning of Good Friday, he's brought before the governor, Pilate. And that brings us to where we are now in this passage in Matthew 27, with Jesus being crucified. Now, it's been a pleasure to have been at all of the Good Friday services we've previously done at Redeemer over the last few years. Uh, And in past years, we have looked at different people who've been there on Good Friday around the cross and how they were impacted by Jesus. And they were great services, but in preparation for this morning, I really felt challenged and stirred by God to focus on one person. One person who, let's be honest, is the only reason that we're here this morning. He's the reason we call today Good Friday, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. And when I first felt that nice to focus solely on Jesus and not on anyone else in this passage, I I was a little worried that I wouldn't have enough content to fill the time. And then I realized that Paul, who uh, says in 1 Corinthians that he was convicted to preach just Jesus Christ and him crucified, once preached for so long that someone fell asleep and fell out of a window and died. So I'm not going to preach for that long, but I think I will have just about enough to fill the time that we've got. So I want to look at Jesus this morning. But it's hard, isn't it, to look at Jesus on Good Friday? Because immediately we are confronted with something that is difficult to look at. When we look at Jesus on Good Friday, we're not gazing upon something at least on the surface that is magnificent or full of splendor. We are looking on a seemingly broken man, a man who is whipped, who's beaten, he's weak, he's stripped naked, he's humiliated, he's nailed to a cross. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I look at bad news, I'm tempted to move on very quickly, to distract myself, to, to tell another joke, to turn the channel over to a happier news story. And it's not just actually that this image of Jesus is difficult to look at because he's suffering. It's because we know he is suffering because of us. But that is precisely the reason that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus this morning. We've already sung about it. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. Romans 6 verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. And the reason that sometimes it can be difficult to look at Jesus on the cross is that it means acknowledging our guilt. You see, the world will tell you that you shouldn't let other people make you feel guilty. That life is about you deciding what's right or wrong for you. As we look at Jesus on the cross, as we really look at him and we acknowledge his holiness and his perfection, we have to recognize that it is our guilt that is being paid for on the cross. The death of Jesus is not a, a noble, heroic death. It is a death that is punishment. And it is the punishment that we deserve. And that's why we come somberly on Good Friday. Because it should make us weep. It should make us mourn to see Jesus on the cross. Because we see our sin holding him there. But it also, as we gaze upon Jesus on the cross, allows us to trust in God who is a just and fair judge. When we acknowledge that our sin takes Jesus to the cross, we also recognize that something greater than ourselves has given us the opportunity to be set free. Someone greater than ourselves has come in and paid that price, and that is an incredible truth to remember as we look at Jesus on the cross and that is why we look at him this morning because he is doing the most important thing in this passage and also the joy of looking at Jesus this morning is he reveals truth behind what is happening around him this passage is full of crazy things that are happening and on the surface of it if we don't look at Jesus in the midst of everything, they can seem just like that, like random, crazy events. I believe as we look at Jesus this morning, he reveals incredible, glorious truth that is going on behind the scenes. Now, I don't know whether we've got any Disney fans in the room. Uh, Well, maybe we don't. I have just said that and no one's responded at all. The next couple of minutes is going to be fun. Um, if you are a fan of Disney films, maybe it's just me, um, you may have noticed something that they do in, in Disney films. Um, I'm going to give you an example here. This is... Everyone know what film this is? Monsters, Inc. Um, but also you can see in this... Sorry, I must apologise, by the way. The main big screen isn't working this morning, so if you're at the back, you might just have to guess. But you can see in this scene that it's not only just the characters from Monsters, Inc. that are in this scene. There's also... I think, Nemo, there we go, there it is. Nemo is in this scene. And then we've got, and Disney do this a lot. I've got a, couple, a few examples. i got a bit carried away. Uh, next, this is a scene from Finding Nemo. Uh, but on the back of this boy's magazine, you can see... Mr. Incredible. Mr. Incredible. Yes. <laughs> Bonus point for Ryan. Okay, here we go. This one's a little bit more difficult, partly because the screen's small. This is up. I mean, you really can't see this. I'm going to have to point. But in the corner of this up is Lotso from Toy Story Three. There you go. And finally, this is Bug's Life. This is the first film I ever saw in the cinema. Bug's Life. Can anyone spot the Disney, the other Disney reference in this picture? The Lion King is in the back. There you go. You see, now you're all wanting to go rush home and immediately watch all of these films. I need to spot those. That's not the point I was going to make. But um, as I was uh, thinking about just the way that Jesus reveals truth in, in the Bible, it reminded me of the way that they do this in films. And then also I was reminded that they actually call these Easter eggs, which is a wonderful coincidence, um, given the time of year that it is. But what I want to suggest is as much joy as these hidden little moments give Disney fans who are watching the films, it's possible to watch these films and not to see those moments, to not understand the, the meaning behind those things that just appear in the scenes. And the joy of looking at Jesus, not just this morning, but the joy of looking at Jesus as we read the word of God is he reveals incredible truth. And I've only got about another 10 minutes, but hopefully we'll be able to just scratch the surface of what Jesus reveals in terms of the depths of this passage that's just been read to us. And the first uh, moment that I want to look at is in verse 46, where Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, on the surface of this, this is a horrible thing to hear. If you look at the final words of the founders of religions around the world, their, their final words are statements of hope and proclamations of Uh, joy and why you should follow them. But this last statement of Jesus is torturous. It seems on the surface of it that he is giving up, that he's revealing that God couldn't break through for him. But actually, as we look at what Jesus is saying, we realize that he's actually quoting from the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, even in this moment, in the moment of his death he cries out this verse from Psalm 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then later on in that psalm, which was written hundreds of years before by King David, in verse 16, he writes, A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Even in this moment of death, Jesus is calling back to this psalm and he's saying, King David was not writing about himself. He was writing about an execution. He was pointing to me. So as we look at Jesus this morning, we see him fulfilling the promises that God has made hundreds of years before. Another thing that happens in this passage is that there's an earthquake. Uh, We see that in verse uh, 51. And um, earthquakes occur... Now, I must precast this with I'm not any sort of qualified geologist, so if this is wrong and there is a qualified geologist in the room, you know, g- give me some slack. Um, but earthquakes occur when two plates that form up the surface of the earth uh, kind of crash into each other, and they create these, this friction between them and these fault lines, and that friction between two huge objects is reflected in the damage and the destruction that we see as a result of earthquakes. And um, on the surface, when we look at this person, this could just be strange timing, just be, oh, this person happened to die at the same time that there was this earthquake. But as we look at Jesus, we see things differently. In 2 Corinthians 4, 17, Paul describes the glory of God as having weight, as being heavy. It says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. As Christians, we believe that that is uh, a promise of heaven for us, that when we get to heaven and we are in the presence of God, we will experience that weight of glory. And here, as we look at Jesus on the cross, we see this weight of glory coming into contact with death. And Andrew Wilson, in his book, God of All Things, describes it like this. The heavy depths of the unshakable Savior crashed into the lightweight shallows of the enemy and displaced him forever. When the king of the earth descends, everything on earth, the people, the mountains, the temple, the principalities and powers, even death itself is shaken. And that's what we see in this earthquake. We see a physical representation of the glory of God crushing the power of death. And finally, the, the last little bit that I want to I talk about in terms of uh, what Jesus brings light to in this passage is the, the tearing of the curtain. Uh, we read this again in verse 51. Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And I've always already mentioned that when Jesus dies on the cross, he pays the price for our sin. But he doesn't just pay it once as this, this one-off act and then leave us to it. He does much more than that. You see, this curtain that it refers to in the temple is the curtain that divided the rest of the temple from a place called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was known to be the earthly dwelling of the presence of God. And only one man, the high priest, was allowed to enter the Holy of Holies once a year, and he always had a rope tied around his ankle in case he died because the glory of the Lord was so great. There's always been that separation from between man and God. Way back in the Garden of Eden, that separation began with the sin of Adam and Eve and their banishment from the garden. But as Jesus died, this curtain is torn in two. And we look at Jesus and we see that in paying the price for our sin, Jesus is removing the separation between us and the presence of God. He is fulfilling the promise from Genesis 3 where it says you will crush. He says God talks to the serpent and he says that there will be one who will come who will crush your head. And Jesus is fulfilling that promise And we read in Hebrews 9, verses 24 to 26. For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own, For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. As Jesus dies and this curtain is torn, there is an opportunity to come into God's presence. And it's no longer based on going to a specific place, but it's based on going to a specific person, the person of Jesus. This morning, as we look at Jesus, we don't just see him carrying the weight of our sin, but we see him making a way for us to come into relationship with our heavenly Father. That verse we read earlier, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we come to Jesus this morning, that is what we have the privilege and the honour of being able to experience. And as a result of that, we can expect to be transformed In the book, His Testimonies, My Heritage, Christian author Trillian Newell talks about this transformation. She says, we sin and we sin again, but because Jesus died for those sins, we are freed from sin's penalty and from its power. And then we are given all the things necessary to be more like him. As those who have been set free from the chains of sin, we are being sanctified made more like Christ. We are being transformed from one degree of glory into the next. And the verse that she's referring to there at the end of that quote is in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. It says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We all with unveiled face. The veil has been removed. The curtain has been torn. We are reunited with our Heavenly Father through what Jesus does on Good Friday. And so I encourage you this morning to look at Jesus, to look at the cross to see your sin and acknowledge your guilt that Jesus bore the punishment for and recognize that that price has been paid. Look at Jesus. See his glory and how it is far greater than any power, than even death. Look at Jesus and recognize that through his death, you have been given an opportunity to be restored back into relationship with God through him. I want to give us a couple of minutes to look at Jesus. I'm just going to pray for us before we do that. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to come and look at you this morning. Help us to look at the cross even though it is difficult and it makes us grieve that our sin held you there. Help us to look at you and recognize your glory and your greatness and help us to come to you that we might have a relationship with our heavenly Father. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to give us some time now just to sit. Um. And, and to reflect on that, to look at Jesus. I encourage you not to rush on, as Ebe's going to start the next song in a couple of minutes, but I just want to give us some space to come and look at Jesus this morning.